Thanks for joining us online today. Aren't you glad that during these difficult times, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. So let's draw near to him and worship right now and prepare our hearts to receive the word. Welcome to church. Thank you. 
So excited to be with you here today. I'm looking forward as we continue our conversation, as we, we continue our series 242, which comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, that they were committed to, to breaking bread with one another, to doing life together, and that they were a people of prayer. And I believe that we desire that here at Gateway as well. Don't you? That, that we desire to allow the, the, the very word of God to shape us and mold us and transform us to be all that he desires for us to be. And that we want to be a people, hashtag doing life together, being there for our brothers and sisters, being the, that word of encouragement. We also want to be a people that takes a posture of prayer. Lifting one another up, lifting our community up, lifting up the world in, in which we reside. So I would encourage you to grab your Bibles, uh, grab your tablets, your phones, um, whatever you're going to use to follow along in the text here today and, and be a part of the conversation. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 30. Um, if, you, if you have just found us on the social media for the first time and you don't have a regular place to worship, but we'd like to invite you to come and, and be a part. Also, you can go on our website there and, and you can see that we are going to be meeting, gathering um, out, outside on our patio venue here this evening at, at 6 p.m. And then again at 7 p.m. for our Hispanic congregation, our Hispanic service. So we'd invite you to, to come and be a part of that. You have to register, but we'd love to have you come and be a part. As we look at this text here today, um, there's some exciting things as we take a look and and our, our message, the title of our message here today is, is Breakthrough. And we're going we're gonna to see how God is continuing to move in the hearts and lives of people. And the, the redemptive story moves on in the midst of so much challenge and, and persecution. So if you have your Bibles, let's, uh, let's read along. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all um, 30 verses there. Uh, but the, the first part of, uh, of chapter 11 is, is very similar, very familiar. You, you would have uh, picked that up in chapter 10. But, but I'm going to start with, uh, with uh, verse 18 here in our text. It says this, after, after Peter had expressed and explained when people came to him and said, said why were you uh, at the home of Cornelius? Why were you with, with those folks? And we talked about uh, what some called the outsiders this last week. Why were you with these people? You're, you're breaking tradition. And Peter shared the story. He shared what, what took place. He shared the, the vision that he had and, and how the, the Lord sent for him to, to go and to be in Cornelius' home. And as he was expressing the word of God, the Holy Spirit showed up and, and filled that place. And people came to, to, to know God as their personal Lord and Savior. And so then in verse 18, verse 18, hearing, hearing it all laid out like that. Those that, that came, those that were in opposition of, those that were pushing back, those that, that, that were stirring with frustration and tension against Peter. In verse 18, it says, hearing all of this laid out the way that Peter shared that it went, that it took place, it, it, it then sank in. They, they started praising God. They thanked God for the story that he just shared, the story of transformation. It's, it, it's really happened. God has broken through to the other nations. He's opened them up to the life, life referring to life eternal. 
And then in verse 19, those who had been scattered by, by the persecution triggered by Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, but they were still only speaking and dealing with their fellow Jews. Then some of the men from Cyprus and, and, and Cyrene, it, it says, who had come to Antioch started talking to the Greeks and giving them the message of the master Jesus. God was pleased with what they were doing and, and he put his stamp of approval on all of it. Quite a number of the Greeks believed and they too turned to the master. Their lives were changed and transformed. Then in verse 23, when the church in Jerusalem got wind of this, they then sent Barnabas to Antioch to check on things. As soon as he arrived, he saw that God was behind it all. He threw himself in with them. He got behind them, urging them to, to stay with it the rest of their lives. He was a good man that way, enthusiastic and confident in the ways of the Holy Spirit. The community grew large and strong in the master. Verse 25, then Barnabas then went on to Tarsus to, to find Saul. He found him and brought him back to Antioch because he wanted Saul to experience and see what was going on. And this is exciting, but it says they were there for a whole year meeting with the church and teaching a lot of people. It was in Antioch that the disciples were for the first time called Christians. Verse 27, it was about the same time that some of the prophets came to Antioch from Jerusalem. One of them was named Agabus. He stood up. He stood up one day and he and was prompted by the Holy Spirit and he warned everyone there that a severe salmon was about to devastate the country. The famine eventually came during the rule of Claudius. So the disciples decided that each one of them would send what, whatever they could to their fellow Christians in Judea to help out. They sent Barnabas and, and Saul to, to deliver the, what was collected of the leaders and send it with them. To Jerusalem. As we look at this text and as we delve into this conversation and knowing that the subject matter is this, this breakthrough moment, these, these, these breakthrough uh, moments that, that are, are, are coming up, they're, they're propping up, if you will, uh, with Peter and Cornelius. And, and then we're seeing that as, as Peter shares the, the story of Cornelius in his home and how the Holy Spirit fell, then the Holy Spirit was coming upon more and more people. And, and the redemptive story was, was just growing and, and continually to grow. Phineas F. Brzee, uh, the founder of the, the Church of the Nazarene, said, and I quote, Let the Church of the Nazarene be true to its commission, not great and elegant buildings, but, but to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked and to wipe away the tears of the sorrowing. Our church is a missionary church. It knows no difference between home and foreign fields. In these days, all fields are near. Church friends, those of you that, uh, that are with us here online this morning, I just want you to know that, 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 that there are three things that, that I think are important for us to, to begin to pull out of this text here this morning. There's so many things, but, but one, we, we have a responsibility to others. We have a responsibility to, 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 to not only learn the word, but we have a responsibility to, to do life together. We have a responsibility to pray for one another. We also need to realize that each and every one of us, that God has designed us and created us in such a way, Psalm 139, that, that, that God has ordained all of the days of our lives. 
before he even breathed one breath into our lungs, that from day one, he knows why he's created us. He calls us in Psalm 139, his beautiful masterpiece. He knows why he created us and that we have been called. We have been commissioned by him to make a difference in the world where he has placed us. And then that we need to embrace God's kingdom. We need to embrace it now. And, and, and this last year, this whole last year, when we were going through the, the book of Mark, we often talked about how the, the kingdom of God is now. That, that God is moving amongst us now. That we need to be about kingdom work now. And if you're sitting next to somebody, just look at them and just say, Amen. Uh, because they're, they're, that is just a beautiful thought. Just the mindset of doing kingdom purpose now. Henry Nouwen said, and I quote, Compassion asks us to, to go where, where it hurts, to enter into the places of pain, to, to, to share in the brokenness, the fear, the confusion, the, the, the anguish. Compassion challenges us to, to cry out with those that are found in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears, to weep with those in tears. Matthew 25, 40. Whatever you do unto others, you have done unto me. Whatever you do about kingdom purpose, you have done for God. You have, have, have been shown, you have, have shared the gospel, the redemptive story. Those that, that you bring in, those that you embrace, those that you sit with, those that you cry with, those that you mourn with. The things that you've done unto them, you have done unto God himself. Compassion is not something that, that I have to convince you to do. It is something that, according to scripture, is embodied in us. It's the, it's the way that, that we are wired. Why? Because it reflects the very nature. We've been, we have been shaped and formed to reflect the very nature of Christ. See, Christ came to serve and, and not to be served. In the Gospel of Mark, and we looked at this uh, a number of months ago, but James and John came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, this is what, what we want. We want you to do whatever we ask of you. Yes, you heard that right in Scripture. How, how prideful uh, that they were in that moment. They, the, the audacity that they had to make demands upon Jesus. It, it was all wrong. They, they had it all wrong. But Jesus' response in that text was, so you want to be in first place? Then take last place. Choose to be a servant of all. Compassion is, is necessary. It is important. But, but sadly, even in the church, it's something that, that everyone likes until there's a cost. And we're looking at this text here in Acts chapter 11. And Peter is, he's, he's been in the classroom. He, he's been given this vision. And remember where he pushed back when, when the messenger of God told him to, to go and to do something. And he pushed back and he said, absolutely not. That, that is unclean. That, that would be considered to be detestable. And, and the response back was, what God has called clean, do not call unclean. I, I may not have all that, uh, that the next guy or the next gal has around me. You may not have all that, that uh, somebody has in, in the workplace. 
Uh, but that should not be our concern. We should not be about material things. We shouldn't be about the things of this world. What should concern me, what could, should, could, should concern you, is that we are doing what God has afforded us. The, the resources that, that God has given us. How can God use us? How, how can God use us should be, be the question. How can God use us to be the, the, the Samaritan of the modern day, if you will, to, to look around and find a person in need, to be a person of compassion, to be what he's bestowed upon you and upon me to make a difference in this world. And let me clarify, but we're not just talking about financial resource. We're talking about the resources that God has given us. The passions that we have in our hearts. The things that, that, that are endearing to us. Looking and seeing somebody in need and, 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 and making and, and assisting them in that need. Making it better for them. Whatever that might mean. Someone said, imitate Christ in your, in your loving spirits. Speak kindly and act kindly and do kindly. What men may say of you. That man may say of you, excuse me, that he has been with Jesus, that he or she has been in the presence of God. Look at verses one through three in our text here this morning. The news traveled fast and in no time the, the leaders and friends back in Jerusalem, they heard about it. They heard about the news of, of Peter and being in an audience of Cornelius and being in his home and, and, and seeing where where where. Jews and Gentiles were gathered together and there was this beautiful celebration. And we talked about how back in the day, Jews and Gentiles, just, they, they didn't come together. They didn't fellowship together. They didn't sit at the table together. But word was out that Peter and Cornelius were together and it was a beautiful thing. But the word got back to Jerusalem. They, they heard that the non-Jewish outsiders were, were now in. And when Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of his old associates Concerned about circumcision, the, the Gentiles, the uncircumcised, and, and the Jews in the tradition of being circumcised, it, it, it concerned them. And they called him on the carpet. What do you think you're doing rubbing shoulders with that crowd, the, the Gentiles? What do you think that you're doing eating what is prohibited and, and ruining our good name? The situation at the beginning of, of chapter 11 is, is a strange one. Peter, the, the natural leader of the church, is, is having his actions towards Cornelius and the Gentiles called into question. The text seems to, to make it very clear that the concern isn't coming from the Pharisees or, or the Jewish leaders who had come into conflict with Jesus. But rather the questioning, the, the pushback, the tension was coming from fellow Jewish followers of Christ. Peter. What do you think that you are doing rubbing shoulders with that crowd? The Gentiles, the, the uncircumcised, eating what is prohibited. You are ruining, Peter, you are ruining our good name. Friends, even in the midst of challenge, in the challenge of the church, uh, even in the midst of, uh, of the pushback, if you will, uh, there were these breakthrough moments in Genesis chapter 17. Beginning with verse 9, God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants in every generation. This is my covenant that you and your descendants must keep, circumcise every male 
You must circumcise the the flesh of of your foreskins and it will be a symbol of the, the covenant between us. On the eighth day after birth, every male in every generation must be circumcised, including those who are not your own children, those born in your household and and those purchased with silver from foreigners. Be sure you circumcise those born in your households and, and those purchased with your silver. Your flesh will embody my covenant as an enduring covenant. Any uncircumcised male whose flesh of his foreskin remains uncircumcised will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Someone said, and I quote, that this is the single most crucial crisis that the post-resurrection community would face. Because its resolution would forever define the, the nature of Christian community and the church. The actions of of the early church would would reinterpret the way that the the people of God understood the the function of the law and the nature of obedience. Prophetic texts like like in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 36 became critical for reinterpreting the, the, the nature of living in the way, the way, the means of God. Ezekiel 36 says this in verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stony heart from your body and replace it with the living one. And I will give you my spirit so that you may walk according to my regulations and carefully observe my case laws. Friends, those of you that are sharing in this conversation this morning, Peter realized His responsibility. And we as a church, as believers, we must we must realize our responsibility. And and what is that responsibility to to what? To know God and to make him known. Mark chapter 16, verse five. Go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and to all. See, it doesn't matter where you've been. It, It doesn't matter what you've done. The fact that you are here, the fact that you are listening to this message, the the fact that that you've taken a few moments to to be a part of this conversation. God wants to express to you his love. God wants to express to you his his gift of reconciliation and and redemption. He he has no favorites. We we talked about that this, this last week. God wants to call each and every one of us his beloved. But see, we have that choice. We have that opportunity to either be a part, to, to come into that relationship or to push back and to deny, to deny that. See, his love for us on the cross 2,000 plus years ago, his blood that was shed, his life that was given, it was for each and every one. It was for you and it was, it was for me. And we simply have to receive that. We have to, to believe that. Those of us that that believe that have Christ in our heart and our life, we have a responsibility to share that with those that do not yet know. We have a responsibility like Peter to go to Cornelius and and share of the good news because Cornelius, he sat there with those that were in his home and he said, Peter, tell us, tell us what, what God has placed on your heart. Tell us what God wants us to hear. Luke chapter one, verse 37, nothing you see is impossible with God. Nothing you see is impossible with God. A heart, a hardened heart can be tender. 
um, prejudice and bias and self-centeredness and pride. All of that can be broken because nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible with God. If you're sitting next to somebody again, just, just say amen to that. Express that to them. When God commissioned the disciples to go, the scriptures tell us that, that he gave them the authority to impact and to change the world around them. But with authority also comes responsibility. And please note, with, with commissioning also comes challenge, comes great challenge. The enemy would love to, to discourage your efforts. He would love to have you think that, that, that the work, the, the hard work of the kingdom is futile. Oftentimes in ministry, there's, there's, there's just great challenges. There's, there's, there's heavy burden. But oh, nothing is impossible with God. John Wesley said, and I quote, our mission may seem overwhelming until we remember that with the mission comes authority. We are not in this ministry on our own. Friends, we are not in this ministry on our own. We're not in life. We're not in this journey called life alone or on our own. For every true call to Christian mission comes the authority as we go in the name of the spirit and the power of God. Look at verses four through six of our text. So, so Peter, starting from the beginning, he laid it all out step by step. Recently, I was in the town of Joppa and I was praying something like a huge blanket lowered by ropes at, at all four corners came down out of heaven. And it, it settled on the ground in front of me. Peter is laying it all out for them, just as it all had happened. He explained how God got his attention. Have you ever just had God just get your attention? You, you know that, that it can't be anything else, that it's God getting your attention. And, and, and here, look at this, but, but, but it's a breakthrough moment for Peter. It's a breakthrough moment for him personally and in his ministry. Someone said, and I quote, it is difficult for us far removed from the cultural context of, of the Old Testament world and, and equally far removed from any sense of threat in who we are as a people of God to really catch the magnitude of what is happening in Peter's vision. Church, are you ready to spend, are you, are you ready to, to spend and be spent for the gospel? When the Lord says you, you, Joe, you, uh, whoever you are um, watching online, you go out into the world where you reside and make disciples. He, he's talking about being a people of responsibility. He's talking about a people to be obedient. He's talking about obedience and not convenience. There's a big difference there. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus said, take up your cross and, and follow me. He did not say, go and check first to, to see if it's going to be convenient for you to do so. There will be challenging times. Uh, we are living in some challenging times, but nothing is impossible with God, right? Pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. And he also tells us in, in scripture that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Joshua, Joshua 1, 9, be courageous, be not terrified, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, sometimes God's economy may, may not make sense to us, but, but it does to him. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Amen. 
When we focus on Jesus, he, he becomes bigger and our desires be, become smaller. And the result is our lives become more about him, more about him and, and less about us. Galatians 6 verse 9. So let's not allow ourselves to, to become fatigued in doing good because at the right time we will reap a harvest, a good crop if we don't give up, if we, if we don't quit. Right now, therefore, every time, every time that we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Dennis Bratcher says, and I quote, this is not an account of, of Peter deciding what to become. This is an account of, of God calling him to become to, to indeed calling him to, to be a part of the church, indeed calling the church to become. It is God's new work in the world, calling people to follow. Perhaps the task of the church in the world is not to try to put into place programs that, that, that structure the, the work of God, that, that try to grow the church. Perhaps neither is it to, to pray and, and cry out to God to do some new work in the world, to bring revival, to enliven his people. Perhaps the greatest task, please hear this, perhaps the greatest task of the church is to find out where God is already working in the world and then participate in that work as God gives direction. And then he adds, perhaps we too often, we have often, too often missed the, the new work of God in the world because we were waiting for something to happen in our corner of the world on our terms. When God was already doing great things over in Cornelius's house, if you will. This commitment to God's work in the world does not lessen our responsibility and our accountability to faithful response to God in servanthood, but it affirms that finally, it is not by our efforts that newness comes into the world, but it strongly affirms, it strongly affirms that God is at work in the world to bring that newness, to bring that newness, if, to bring that newness if we have eyes to see it. End quote. We often think, we often think about the cost of accepting Cornelius into the community, but there was also a, a significant cost for Cornelius as well. Just think about it. He he was a man of power. We, we, we talked about that a few weeks ago, a man of prestige and success. And, and he had a, a strong desire, a, a passion to be a part of a, a beautiful group of people. The church, he, he wanted to be a part of the ecclesia, the, the fellowship of believers who were marginalized within the empire. It was a great cost for him to choose to be a part of that. Oh, church. We need to be a people. We need to be a people of conviction and not a pe be a people of comfort. Did you catch that? We need to be a people of conviction and not a people of comfort. We talked about how Luke, the author of Acts, he, he is the writer of, uh, of this narrative that, that we're unpacking here this morning. It is so evident that, that Luke is clearly helping us to see that God's spirit is clearly moving in the midst of seemingly random events that helped to shape the early church. Do you remember Peter and the, and the beggar at the gate? Beautiful. Uh, the 3,000 plus people at the temple that day joined the church. 
Stephen is, is martyred and the, and the church is, is persecuted, but it continues to grow and grow. Saul, enemy, public enemy, number one. His life is changed, transformed, redeemed. A conversion that will forever push the redemptive story forward. Ananias and his obedience to, to go and to pray and, and to pray over Saul. The Ethiopian eunuch that, that was found out in the, in the desert on a, on a lonely road, a road less traveled and passionately seeking and reading the scripture. And then we see Cornelius, a seeker, one that is desiring to, to hear, to hear about the word of God. One of the underlying points of this text that we're looking at today, Acts chapter 11 is that while Peter and the leaders of Jerusalem are meeting at the, at the center, God is at work in the margins. Look at verses 22 through 24. When the church in Jerusalem got wind of this, they, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to, to check on things. As soon as he arrived, he, he saw that God was behind it all. He, he threw himself in with them and got behind them and urging them to, to stay with it for the rest of their lives. Oh, that's an encouraging word. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, no, no matter what the challenge, stay with him for the rest of your lives. And for those of you today that aren't in a relationship with God and you're hearing this message, oh, today is a, a perfect time for that. You can simply right now just pray, God, take my life, take my heart, everything about me, my brokenness, the choices that I've made, and please, God, I just turn it all over to you. I give you complete control of my life. And from this day forward, for the rest of my life, I want to seek you. I want to follow you. And as Barnabas said, oh, stay with him for the rest of your life. He was a good man that way, Barnabas. Enthusiastic and confident in the Holy Spirit. The community grew large and, and strong in the master. Barnabas shows up, he, he sees growth taking place, and, and then he excitedly goes back and he gets Saul or Paul. Look at verses 25 through 26. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to, to look for Saul. He found him and brought him back to Antioch. They were there a whole year meeting with the church and teaching a lot of people. It was in Antioch that the disciples were, were for the first time called Christians. There was a lot of discipleship, spiritual formation, Sunday school classes taking place, small groups, Zoom meetings, all those kind of things were taking place over the course of that year. Barnabas sees the potential here. Check it out in verse 26. Both he and Saul were there for a whole year teaching and raising up leaders for the church. I want you to know that each of us have an opportunity to make a difference. We talked about responsibility. We have an opportunity to make a difference. Look at, look at verse 26 again. It was in Antioch that the disciples were for the first time called Christians. The term Christian was actually meant as a put down. The term Christian was, was actually, it, it was meant to ridicule, to, to defame. The, the word Christian was to mock and to insult and, 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 and to tear down. But yet God used that group of people those Christians, that early church, the way, the ecclesia, the, the fellowship of believers to push the redemptive story forward. Look at verses 27 
through 30. It was about this time that, that some of the prophets came to, to Antioch from Jerusalem. And, and one of them was Agabus. He, he stood up uh, one day and, and, he, and prompted by the Spirit warned that there was going to be a severe famine that was going to take place. That it would devastate the country. So the disciples hearing this word decided that each one of them would take and send whatever they could to their fellow Christians in Judea to help out. They sent Barnabas and Saul to, to deliver the collection, all of the goods, all of the things, all of the resources that they pulled together. They sent with, with Barnabas and with Saul back to Jerusalem. Dr. Scott Daniels says, and I quote, there are many actors in the section, in this section of Acts. In this story, the, the players are Jews, Hellenists, Peter and Cornelius, Barnabas and Saul, Agabus and, and Simon the, the Tanner. But the primary actor in the text is always, always the Spirit of God. Amen. At work, the Spirit of God is at work in the interactions of the text and in the hand of the divine providence, working out God's will in the world. They were devoted to the apostles teaching. They were devoted to doing life together, breaking bread with one another. They were devoted to being a people of prayer. This is the word of God for the people of God. And I say, thanks be to God. Shalom. Shalom.